0: I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, let's make it less awful. We talk about all the hard-to-talk-about stuff with author Paulina Pensky. Plus, Biz didn't have to do any of the work. Woo! 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 Oh.
1: Woo. My dog agrees. Woo. Um, this is a secret, but also a woo, a check-in. So I'm trying to plan out dealing with family for Thanksgiving this year. And it's really hard and dramatic and everybody has things to say about everything. And I started fantasizing about having Thanksgiving alone. Like not even my immediate family. Like me and this dog in my house. Like I'm gonna cook a turkey all by myself. And I wanna make potatoes the way that I like them. And then after I make this meal by myself, for myself, like, it's way, way, way too big. Then I have leftovers for days. And in this scenario, my husband has taken the children to my mother-in-law's house. And and then I don't feel bad for somehow miracle reason for not joining them. But, man, oh, the fantasy is just really uh, giving me life right now. And I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if I can make this happen or, like, oh, I don't know, man, but uh, anyways, everybody's doing a good job, and I hope planning for Thanksgiving isn't as much of a shit show for you as it is for me.
0: Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) You're doing a wonderful job. Let's only whisper from now on. What if this became the Whispering Podcast? I don't think it would be possible because I cannot whisper laugh. First of all, you are doing an excellent job. I have a few things to say about this check-in. One, guys, I know Thanksgiving is past us, but uh, the other holidays are here and this this call really is relatable to any family gathering of importance. Two, this falls into a genius category of Teresa and dreamt of pie category. If you have if not heard this genius, it was way back a while ago. Teresa comes in and says, my genius is I had a dream about eating pie, and I sat there expectantly waiting for them to, to say more, and they didn't, and I found this hysterical. Fantasizing about your own solo, except with the dog, Thanksgiving, I think is amazing. Last thing on it is you could make this happen. Doesn't have to happen at Thanksgiving. It doesn't. You could send like your partner and your kids away, like at a time that's convenient and less stressful holiday wise, but have them be gone a few days and then you make yourself a turkey. Or you order yourself a cooked turkey and your potatoes and your pie and whatever else. You make it all then and then you get to eat it. I remember when I was single and living alone, I would go to my folks' house and have a big Thanksgiving dinner and get to take home all the leftovers. And then I came home to a apartment with a cat and I just laid around And watch television for the next few days. I miss that so much. So I think you are doing, you're doing such a good job. And I wish this Thanksgiving dinner for two, that you and your dog, I wish this for you. You know what I also wish for? I wish that a day never went by that we weren't thanking those who deserve it hey. All right guys we're here we're in we're recording this in the middle of December it is almost a holiday for somebody, really. It's one of those like times of the year that you can just throw a rock in any direction. You can throw the rock forward in time. You can throw the rock backwards in time. And you'll hit a holiday of some kind. And I think it is important to say thank you to everybody in the medical field because you are working during these different holidays and I, I really see you. I know that is a difficult and hard choice and really not always a choice. And so thank you. And I want to thank everybody who's helping families or individuals get from point A to point B. You may be people who help on the phone. You may be a customer service person who's helping with flights being nuts or weather related stuff or things being canceled because of COVID. Okay, that's happening. That's happening everywhere. So thank you for helping us feel like we have a chance of getting somewhere. And if we do get somewhere that it was clean and safe to do it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would also like to thank All teachers and everybody who works in relation to educating our children and caring for them. uh, I hope you're having a nice break. I really do. I hope you're having a turkey for just you and somebody special. And that's it. And no one else. I know that's not the case. But I see you and I appreciate you. Thank you. Post office employees, as well as UPS, FedEx, DHL, whoever whoever, whatever delivery company you're working for. Wow. Hey, you guys got a lot of bad PR with the whole, nothing's going to be able to be shipped anywhere. So that's not on you. That just means you're probably dealing with a lot of freaked out people because we all wait to the last minute to get our packages in. So sorry about that. And thank you for your patience. And thank you for getting out there and delivering all this stuff. And lastly, It's the holidays, and for some, that is really fun, and for others, it is a really difficult time, especially after the last year and a half and all of the people that we have lost and all of the things that are very different in our lives. And so I really want to say thank you to those of you who volunteer at your crisis center, on the National Suicide Hotline Centers. Any of you who are out there providing a voice to help comfort those who really might be seeking that this year, thank you so much. And we will link up in our show notes the links and numbers to the Crisis Hotline and to the Suicide Hotline. So just wanna make sure that you guys know you are really appreciated. Speaking of things that I appreciate, oh, oh, but before I get into it, I need you to know the topic is Santa. Keep that in mind as you continue to listen. Ellis, <laughs> Ellis, I have to kind of whisper myself because he's in the other room because what a break. Anyway, Ellis, yesterday, as far as I know, Ellis still believes in Santa and that's great. We are not mythbusters in this house, all right? But Ellis has started on their own without needing anything from us, saying maybe there isn't a Santa. Maybe it's the Postal Service. Maybe there's a, I swear to you guys, this was all in their head, all their own invention, that there's a crack team of a special spe- a special division of the U.S. Postal Service that just handles the Santa letters, right? That come in, and this is why Santa has been going for so long, right? Because there's always been a as long as the post office has been around, it's been happening, and it's how they know where everybody lives. Oh, and Ellis is favorite point was that's how they know if you've been good or bad because they're checking on you every single day when they come and bring the mail they're everywhere and it's how they can get stuff all over the world in one night i think this is the most brilliant theory ever and the theory teeters also on uh the fact that uh, santa could also still be real it's just that santa's like running this op like right like (laughs) this is like a special op team So this has made my life much easier because I haven't had to have any conversations and they haven't come home like with the like, there's no Santa, right? Like they've come home and just been like, I'm sure people are talking about it. Uh, They've just worked this out in their own head. They've made the like cross between fantasy and reality be something that like just works out and makes sense. And I actually think it's a wonderful, wonderful Wonderful theory. So anyway, that made life a lot easier, and I was able to avoid an awkward conversation that I didn't want to have, which I think ties in, well, to what we're going to be talking about today with Paulina Penske and her new book that she wrote with her dad, Dr. Drew, It Doesn't Have to be Awkward, Dealing with Relationships, Consent, and Other Hard-to-Talk-About
2: Stuff.
0: this week, I am so very excited to have Paulina Penske, who is a writer and writing coach based in Brooklyn. She received her MFA in nonfiction creative writing from Columbia University, where she teaches comedy writing to high schoolers. Oh, that could be a separate show. She co-authored It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward with her dad, making it awkward, in- internist and television personality, Dr. Drew Pensky. Well. Welcome, Paulina.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm
0: so glad that you are here. You're so much more fun than your dad. Oh, believe me, I know. I know you know. (laughs) Before we get into the book, and I feel like already, I know we could talk about anything. Oh, yeah. I already feel like we're BFFs from like way back. Oh, yeah. But I guess I should find out something about you. (laughs) As my new BFF, who lives in your house?
2: I live with my fiance and our cat and dog. But the, I mean, the cat was originally my child, and okay. then the dog was originally his child. So we're a mixed yeah. household. How'd that go?
0: How'd that blending go? The cat was not happy for um, quite
2: some time. Never happy. But now he <laughs> oh, like they play.
0: Are they baby friends? Oh
2: my god, god. they're baby friends. Oh, they're baby friends. This is how I've raised my children to talk to animals.
0: Oh, it is a baby. Oh, got a kind my dad.
2: Listen, that's the only way to address them, I think. I want to talk about this book.
0: It is called, I'm going to give it the full title, everybody. Get ready. It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward, Dealing with Relationships, Consent, and Other Hard-to-Talk-About Stuff. The title says it really all. You wrote this with your dad, a.k.a. Dr. Drew. Mm-hmm. Nothing awkward about the fact that you've got a Dr. Drew bobblehead. That's your father. You've got, like, a dad bobblehead sitting right in front of you, which is... He's always watching. He's all oh, And judging
2: with oh. that nodding head. Judge, judge. I will say this bobblehead, like, <laughs> though very funny to me. Yes. You know, hes he's got a little bit of a... Yeah. like a Jerry Brown face, uh, like mm. it's a little pinched. It's a little his, It's a little pinched. It's a little pinched, but I think that that's probably good because then you can, you know, set him and he'll just be watching you. With yeah, like just watching. Face. So yeah.
0: judging everything you've ever done and continue <laughs> yeah. to do. But, okay, so you wrote it with, with him. Again, everything in here, well, some stuff, it's like, ha-ha, it's not that awkward to talk about with your dad or really anybody. And then it gets really... Awkward, not awkward. It just gets really intentional and it covers so many things. And I, I want to get into many of those things, but I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna start with the very generic interview question that Please. is yes, why, how, what led to the book? Any of those questions?
2: Yeah, I I can Give tell you exactly. Me. Good. So fall of 2019, my dad was approached by an agent at his, you know. Whatever, where things happen. (laughs) Yeah. Someone pitched it to him. Um, You know, it was sort of, you know, post me too. And he liked the idea, but he understood that he's an old man and that he needed a young perspective. And I had just graduated from Columbia three months prior. And I'm a writer. Yeah. You're also a young person. I'm also a young person. Yes. I am not yet 30.
0: No, I'm just saying, like, in the grand scheme, Kabat, oh. not calling you like, oh, young. no, 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 I You're am, old. Don't worry. But, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
2: it's, it's, you are the thing that he could not write about. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I am, I'm truly a child. Like, I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> a child. Like, well, <laughs> I. I In the context of my father, I guess I am a child. Yeah. But what happened is I was selling T-shirts at my dad's podcasting event because my mom made me. Yeah. And he walked up and he was like, we sold the consent book today. And I was like, what consent book? (laughs) He was like, the consent book. We talked about it. And I was like, "Mm." Mm no. And the thing about my dad is that he is always working and he is always pitching. Uh So, you know... I could have said, yeah, yeah, you know, in passing, but I don't remember it, which is why I called it the consent book I didn't yeah. consent to for consent a while. Consent to, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, there's a little finagling there. Go ahead. Right. But then once I understood what a huge opportunity this was, I realized that I was in a privileged position and I, you know, I didn't have to do it, but I felt called to. And, you know, we wrote it in six months. And, you know, we sat on this book from June 2020 till it released this past fall. And I have to say, you know, my dad and I, while writing this book, you know, we're, we're both intellectual people. And so we were able to speak about things abstractly. Mm. However, you know, through promoting this book, we created a framework that facilitated conversations that we've never had. Yeah and it's it's interesting because writing this book was an absolute blur but i have to tell you that tcb as a framework has saved saved my life
0: yeah i want to jump right into that because the whole book starts like you start it by saying like if you're going to read one chapter you just you can skim around the book all you want but you got to get through chapter 1 which explains tcb not taking care of business, though it is taking care of business. Oh, it is. In so many ways, it's taking care of your own business. Absolutely. Uh, I want you, and you're right, it, we're going to have a lot to talk about later. This is, it's a, it's a, it's a book that I had some like hard stuff. I mean, I talk about triggers. Let's, but let's start with what is TCB at its core?
2: Okay. So I'll tell you the origin of TCB and- then I will move into what TCB in the context of it doesn't have to be awkward. Yeah. So I've been obsessed with Elvis Presley since I was 10 (laughs) years old. (laughs) That's good. I got like a burning love. I literally pray to Elvis. I don't pray to God. I pray to Elvis. (laughs) And I was a competitive figure skater from ages 5 to 18. And (laughs) before every ice skating competition, I would hold on to my TCB necklace. Yes. Rub my hearts and squeeze my butt cheeks. Yes. And pray to Elvis. Yes. And Elvis as a human being is problematic. Mm. I'm not going to deny that. Sure. A lot but of so problems. the Catholic Church. So- yes. So, <laughs> surprise. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and so he became sort of a religious deity for me. Mm. And when we were talking about this book, TCB is my first tattoo. I have it on my rib cage. TCB was sort of you know, a, a mantra that I lived by, if you, if you will. And so when we were talking about this book, TCB was obviously something that was important to me. And so we created the framework, trust, compassion, and boundaries. The idea being that in order to consent, in order to understand what you believe, you have to trust yourself, have compassion with yourself, and know your own boundaries. In order to trust someone else, have compassion for someone else, and respect their boundaries.
0: Just Let's just let that mic drop for a second. Because that one, I have to say, I kind of kept going back to that. And you do such a good job of every step of the way in the book, talking, like checking back in on the trust, the compassion, and the boundaries, which is really helpful to see how they apply to all of the different situations, whether it be friendship, whether it be identity, whether it be parties and drugs and alcohol, all the way to the sex and making out and and then the really tricky stuff of consent, of, mm-hmm. you know, what happens if something has happened to you and mm-hmm. what happens if you think you have done something to mm-hmm. someone. And I, it, it really pushed me as a as a reader as well as a rape survivor to apply those things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's such a remarkably dynamic combination the very one of the very first stories you tell regarding this is and you can tell it better but it's of the girl like it's the friend and like her best friend and her boyfriend are at a party and the best friend and the boyfriend are drunk and the best friend and the boyfriend kiss and now we've got our protagonist the girl whose boyfriend and best friend kissed and okay so now like obviously the answer is Fuck all of you. Trust no one. Like, you, you will come to me and I will give you a curse and we will hex them both. I don't remember that part. You don't remember the hexing? Oh. No. That's, again, I think my family is so normal. Until later. Don't meet us in a dark alley. We'll cut you. So, because I'm sure there are other listeners who are like, yeah, I'm going with team attack. Biz, Mm -hmm. lay it on us. Lay it on us, How that.
2: Yeah, and so throughout the book, there are numerous scenarios where TCB has been failed, right? And ultimately, the way that we address it in the book is we truly go through, is there trust? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the best friend has broken the trust, but also so has the boyfriend, right? Then we go to compassion. When the best friend... Kiss the boyfriend, that was not compassionate. When the boyfriend kissed the best friend, that was not compassionate. However, the best friend and the victim need to show compassion for themselves, right? And finally, boundaries. Boundaries were transgressed. Boundaries were steamrolled, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you go through that checklist and you don't have trust and you don't have compassion and you don't have boundaries, the relationship fails. Now, we talk about, obviously, trust is something that can be rebuilt, right? Yeah, I gotta tell you, thanks for
0: putting that in there. That I mean, because it's, I don't know, that... We'll talk more about that. Anyway, go ahead. Yes.
2: (laughs) You know, it's ultimately, you know, so I, in my early 20s, studied at the Second City Conservatory. And one of the sort of foundational rules of improv there is playing to the height of your intelligence. Right. And ultimately what happened is, you know, we, we have all these scenarios and we went through it playing to the height of our intelligence, right? Obviously, an experience like that would be deeply emotional, right? However, if you pause and you have this framework to check through, that allows you to play to the height of your intelligence, right? And that can be your intellectual intelligence and that can be your emotional intelligence as well. And, you know, I, I, it's interesting because all those scenarios, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> my personal favorite is Talladega and Scorpion. Yes! <laughs> hey, tell us about Talladega and Scorpion. So Talladega and Scorpion are best friends. Oh, yes. And I, I believe Scorpion has feelings for Talladega.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Scorpion texts Talladega, Scorp, as I like to call them, and tells their friend, you know, I would like to talk to you. After school, if that's okay, Um, they check in to see if that's a boundary, right? Yeah. And they have the conversation and it turns out that Talladega does not have this reciprocal feelings for Scorpion. And because of that, they take some space Mm -hmm. and that's the scenario. And ultimately what we're trying to show there is you have to communicate clearly, right? Even if it means your heart being broken. Mm -hmm. And... Ultimately, you have to play to the height of your intelligence in terms of doing what's best for each party, right? Yeah, but that's hard. Th-
0: okay. That, I'm a grown-ass woman who's like, that's hard. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's
2: incredibly <laughs> but, but difficult.
0: This, this is gear. While this is incredibly helpful for all ages. There's no question this is geared towards sort of 12 to 19-year-olds. 12 to 19. I have a 12-year-old. A part of me wants to run through the house and like a, like a grenade, like <laughs> toss this book over <laughs> my shoulder, hurling it into their room, slamming the door shut, right, and then running. But I shouldn't also because there's some things that we need to talk about. I will, I will be very... Well, very honest. Tell me. That is the fucking point of the show, isn't it? Tell me. So I know what's coming for my children, Mm -hmm. right? I hope a life of wonder and joy and love and tenderness and kindness. I will spend my entire life in therapy dealing with the fact that no matter how much I wish that, there is still a chance that they will get hurt. Mm-hmm. or hurt someone else mm-hmm. and that's all of the baggage I get to carry around with myself and work through and sort through and try not to place on or displace right like it's you know the we have talked about lots of these issues since birth you know the old like well they, you said to stop tickling, so I've stopped tickling. You mm-hmm. know, like if, it's not a game when you say no. No, it's not a game. You know, you have to be really clear and like all those sorts of things. Everybody knows what their body parts are called and blah blah blah. <laughs> plus, we <go laughs> the to internet a, exists. Plus, no. we go to a big old progressive school, so everybody's talking about everything all the time. Oh yeah, but having the the conversations we have not had mm-hmm. are the conversations about. I mean, outside of saying things like, no one has a right to take pictures of you, no one has a right to touch you, yeah, my mother used to just say, like, the extent of the consent talk growing up was, you can be laying naked in a ditch and nobody has the right to touch you.
2: You know, that is actually more of a consent talk than most people get.
0: What is so wonderful about your book, that I, I really, if, if people, I, I cannot recommended enough to people, but you really hammer home what is and what is not consent. In particular, Mm -hmm. you hammer home what is not. Even Mm -hmm. in that first example of the best friend kissing the boyfriend when they were both drunk, one of the questions you ask in your checking of the TCB little question list is, did Alex have the right, that's the boy, to kiss Mia or Nia, I don't know, to kiss her? And the answer is no, you don't have, because she was under the influence, she does mm-hmm. not have consent. And you still go further in other examples of Alex being under the influence, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Like, it, and so- Yeah, we, we do maintain the stance that if you're under the influence, you cannot consent.
0: Right, you cannot consent. And so mm-hmm. I want to talk about, you say, my dad came and said, we sold the consent book. I mean, I don't know if I really knew that's what I was going to start reading when I started it. Mm -hmm. And can you talk to me a little bit about how you got to some of these places in the book?
2: Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, did you guys ever track one way and then think like, I need to, we need to track back. Mm -hmm. That's not enough
2: or it's too much. The goal was to take... Consent out of a sexual context. Mm-hmm. The idea being that if you can't, you don't know how to practice consent before you get into a sexual situation. Yeah, There's no way. Sam, you that's can right. Know how to consent in a sexual yeah. context.
0: How did you guys get to that? I mean, you guys are talking. You're like, I don't fucking know. But like, I mean, <laughs> that's such a great point. Mm-hmm. Making the cons- like making consent be part of this non sexual. Aspect and understanding Mm -hmm. really how to set boundaries, how to implement it Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. you get into situations that become trickier and murkier and and at times dangerous. You guys had to have had a conversation.
2: What was it? Hey, we did. You know, I, I, it's so funny. Well, I actually, um, I had a consultant. This colleague of mine named Halen Belay, she's a brilliant sex educator. And, you know, we sold the book and I was like, I'm an imposter. Like, I am not a sex educator. Right. Like, I have problems with consent clearly in my own life. Like, you know, clearly, (laughs) you know. And we sat with her and the foundation of the ideas really came from her. And I... I'm forever indebted to her, but, you know, we were sitting on the subway and after meeting with my dad and she looked at me and she said, listen, you're not going to reinvent the wheel. Mm. There are people who study this, who make this their lives, but you can kind of regurgitate what you learn, right? Well,
0: what you did was you used your voice and you used humor and you used creating a understandable framework for kids, you know, for yeah. tweens and teens, I mean, you use sexual attraction. He's hot. She's hot. They're hot. You're hot. I mean, kissing and wooing and hugging and blah, blah, blah. You know,
2: those are the names of your titles. But
0: not the name <laughs> of her <laughs> chapter titles. No, it's
2: she's really not that far off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty much. <laughs> know, honk, honk. Oh,
0: Very <laughs> profound book. But that's something that you can bring. I, mean, I don't care if there's 800 books out there on they all need to be there
2: right? yeah that's the truth i bought all the books that were on the market on the same topic it's it's interesting i had just started teaching um at l.i.m college
0: you're teaching humor at high school
2: i know i know and i was teaching new media at the time you know so the comedy the comedy writing this will be my fifth year teaching it actually Working at L.A.M., I was privileged enough to have access to the primary group of people who this would impact. Mm-hmm. And I was getting in trouble because <laughs> I was asking questions about my book and recording it. And one of the students went to my higher up and Ooh. told on me. And so they were like, you have to have an IRB like, yeah. board certificate, like all that, which I didn't know because I was. You don't you know, have a
0: bobblehead making you a doctor. How are you supposed <laughs> to know?
2: Exactly. So Exactly. And so it was a really interesting period of time in my life because, you know, I had just come in out of out of the MFA and I was teaching for this time, the, like as an adjunct and I was, you know, being underpaid and <laughs> I, I had access to this group of kids that, uh, you know, I am privately educated K through 12 through graduate school and LIM college exposed me mm. to reality. And the reality is, is that, you know, kids will turn in a college level paper with no punctuation and all lower cap. And it really showed me who I was writing to. Right. And obviously, like writing education and, and capitalizations and periods like that is like enforcement of sort of like structure and rules and things like that and I you know I had to pull a student aside and be like listen I'll give you the opportunity to rewrite this but in the future if you turn in a resume with this you're not going to get the job right right and so I learned a lot about sort of my own privilege and I learned about sort of the state of education and I learned that these were the people that I was writing to, and I, I had the privilege of having access to them, and I wouldn't have otherwise. And teaching at that school, though difficult and strange and, like, truly, you know, I had, to, I, I had to tell people, you know, I couldn't tell people. They didn't want us to shame them for their phones, and so I wasn't allowed to be like, put your phone down, but I had to <laughs> facilitate conversations that made them want to put their phone down. Right. And... I learned that I have the power to do that, and it's 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 interesting. I'm going down a tangent, but ultimately, you know, 2019 fall, of 2019, you know, I was falling in love. Big growth. (laughs) It was it was a exposure, you know, like exposure is how you sort of bust ignorance, you know. Yeah. Again, everybody, this shows you why
3: having
0: diversity on our bookshelves and having diversity on our television set plays such a fucking key. It does roll. So you address that within this, mm-hmm. and you also are really great at addressing, especially in the like identity part. Like you give tools to teens when they are in situations or with parents or mm-hmm. with people who who aren't there yet, yeah, who don't understand, who have their own baggage that comes absolutely, with it. yeah. To me, the book could be. 100,000 more pages, because as you start to pull that thread of we, sh- we need to include this
2: mm-hmm.
0: or make an example of this, we could just go on and on. Mm-hmm. Was there any place you wanted to go or that you and your dad wanted to go that you didn't get a chance to go to?
2: Absolutely, but we can't ah! remember anymore. We can't
0: remember!
3: <laughs> will
0: never
2: get a second book out of this. I'm sure if we went in our Google Docs, we could find it because we wrote it all in Google Docs. Because I was in New York and he's yeah. in Los Angeles, and it's interesting. That makes the awkward conversations a little easier. Doesn't I know. It? I know. That's part of it. Is like we were able to sort of. It's interesting because, like, on one hand, like you know, people sit behind a screen and it in- enables them to throw out vitriol and toxicity, oh, yeah. and you know, like after doing this, all the media for this book, like every podcast that I've been on and of course I look at the comments because I'm a masochist. Mm.
0: Don't worry. You won't get any here. We are horrible at social media. Oh, thank God. <laughs> We're just thank a God. loyal group of tired people. Go Listen, ahead. my favorite.
2: <laughs> please, it, please be too tired to hurt me. Yeah. Please. Oh, <laughs> I, I will never go look at a comment fucking ever. Don't. Don't anyway, do it. go ahead. What I learned is that People are just reacting. Yeah. Right. Of course. And that's it. Like, and you know, obviously, being behind a screen empowers you in a way because you don't have to feel the bodily reaction of what you've done. Yeah. Right. And we are we are strapped to, as T. S. Eliot would say, dying animals. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are strapped to dying animals. That's beautiful. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. These are perceptive sensory organisms. And you can't do TCB if you are not in the presence of somebody else. Right. And we talk about it. It's like you can't practice good TCB online. You know, we talk about how a relationship is a co created experience. So there's you and the other person, and then the thing that you create together. And. You don't have full access to the bodily information Mm. that your body is trying to tell you if you are behind a screen and they're behind a screen. Yeah. Why does catfish exist? You know?
0: I'm not going to take us down the gigantic path we could go when it comes to the pandemic and Mm -hmm. like an entire generation of people missing a whole year and a half. Kids Mm -hmm. missing a whole year and a half of tuning that. Yeah. Whether it be in preschool or kindergarten or fifth grade or Mm -hmm. high school, a whole year of not being able to have that instrument
2: Mm -hmm. tuned. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, uh, it's
2: hard. It's hard. It's really hard.
0: All right. This is, I actually have one last question for you. The book focuses on these hard discussions, right? Whether you're having them with yourself or whether you're having them with your kids or with your parents or with loved ones around you. We've already talked about the anonymity, uh, a little bit of the permission to hit some awkward stuff when you're online, when you're writing it to your dad. But was was there anything that you personally discovered was more awkward than you thought it would be? For you, and doesn't have to be like with him or anything. Just more like, oh, this is really awkward. awkward. Well, I've stumped
2: you. Stumped have him. I haven't been asked this question? Which oh is it-
0: yeah! I want a book of all the questions that I ask that really professional people
2: don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can write you a list. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think, I think I would say. If I had had strong boundaries when this would, had started, I would have said no. To the book? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't. And that doesn't mean that what happened was okay. You know, I don't, I, I think I learned how the beast of my father's brand oh. has always been coercive.
3: Mm hmm.
2: And, you know, my dad went through shit this year. Oh, did he? He really went through shit. And the, my whole family went through shit. And because I was given the opportunity to think about how I relate to my dad as Dr. Drew, as a brand, and then finally as a person,
1: mm.
2: I realized that I didn't have the foundation of a relationship Hmm. that people expected.
0: That's interesting.
2: And I'm really good at holding secrets. I'm really good at performing. And I think that is part of my family lineage. And though it wasn't necessarily awkward, it was painful to move through all of those realizations. That being said, I couldn't have done this without my dad and he couldn't have done it without me. And I had, uh, my, my brother um, came to New York uh, last week before Omicron exploded. <laughs> And um we both got out, thankfully, you know, without getting sick, um, which could not be said about Greenpoint. Like literally we there's an Instagram called Green Pointers and they were documenting every like every person who got sick and what bar they went to and what venue they went to. And the only bar that there wasn't anything was the one that we chose. Jesus. And I have learned the power of family through this. Mm.
0: Yeah. How, yeah. This would have also been impactful to the rest of your family.
2: My brother. So when we were at the bar, we were with my brother's best friend from college, who's studying to essentially be a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> Jesus. And he told me that from what he's seen, I have managed to push my family forward. And I think, you know, going back to my eating disorder, which I just did an episode with Leanne Kreischer on Wife of the Party that I think is pretty phenomenal.
0: We will make sure people are linked up to it. Okay.
2: Yeah. We, and, not even, um, we
0: hadn't even touched on eating disorders, I know. everybody. Well, I'll
2: come back and we'll talk oh, about we'll it. We'll come
0: back and talk about it. We should actually come back. I'm, and talk I'm
2: about ready. That. All
0: right. Boy, you don't have to be. <laughs> oh, I am. I okay. am.
2: I'm 10 years into recovery. I'm ready now. Good
0: job. Good fucking job. Thank
2: you. This future Supreme Court justice who, you know, I'm new as this scrawny kid who went to college with my brother and who couldn't really make eye contact with me, you know, (laughs) he told me that I pushed my family forward. And I think the only way that I was able to do that was recognizing my own illness and healing it. And so I guess what I would say is that it's never as awkward as you think it's going to be. It might be painful, but pain won't kill you.
0: That's right. And I, you, you do touch on that in the book when it comes to telling others about whatever it is you need to tell them, mm-hmm. that it can be difficult, mm-hmm. and, but that it's okay to experience all the feelings that mm-hmm. you have with that. And I think one of the things we talk about here is you get both you get mm-hmm. to have this these feelings that are hard and at times angering, at times sad, at ta- all of those things, while at the same time recognizing that there is growth coming mm-hmm. from it. That they don't cancel each other out. And I I just have to say what a remarkable is not the right word. <laughs> I got to come, I'll figure out the right word. But everybody listens to this knows what I'm getting at. And that is for this book to have come through you and your father getting through lots of uncomfortable stuff, right? And some of it having nothing to do with what's in this book, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. And aside from all of those things that are personal to you and your family Mm -hmm. and not to the rest of us. Okay, this book is a gift and this book is, you know, I mean, there there were times where I was really upset reading it because of my own personal history Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm going to have to have these conversation at a greater depth or that I'm going to have to hear these things Mm -hmm. from my children one day. Yeah. And it's I am very thankful this book is in the world and I am thankful that you were brave enough or just dumb
2: enough <laughs> no not dumb. let me tell you the truth I was stoned you that's were stoned that's what gets you I'm, through that's it got fun. me through but yeah. I have to tell you it is entirely possible to do too many drugs in your 20s oh I have to tell you that
0: oh again I know. <laughs> but if there's, but if somewhere in there, there's a strong base,
2: here you are at 47. All right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Still, all my fingers are still here. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am. Um, and this, this can be my final thought. Okay. But Audre Lorde has this oh. essay called, and I'm probably, I, I always misremember the title, but it's, I think it's the uses of the erotic for power. Mm. And, The idea of the essay is that eroticism, sort of the base, primal feeling, right, whether that's sexual, creative, you know, whatever it is, the seed of your being, has been beaten out of women and sublimated. And we are currently prioritizing the pornographic, which is feeling without sensation,
0: i just gotta say in eroticism the fact that you even attributed it to something other than sexual yeah is
2: is is a testament to that but go ahead because i'm like what anyway go ahead the erotic being creative and energetic and sensual and and embodied right Mm -hmm. and she talks about how in world war ii her family would get bags of margarine and in those bags of margarine, there would be tiny yellow pellets and you had to break the pellet and disperse it through the margarine. And essentially the erotic exists in each of us as a seed, as a tiny pellet. And it is our our life's work to disperse the erotic and live in the erotic and prioritize the erotic because otherwise- We're just a lump of margarine. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting on a shelf, man. Yeah, sitting up there. Not in its margarine. It's Not even the butter, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's you are.
2: I know. It, it isn't margarine itself. Is pornographic in its own way,
0: right? Oh yeah. There's a lot of people. I have discovered people have opinions on margarine, and those people are in my house. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean this isn't butter? Anyway, okay. <laughs> I'm from the south in the 80s. Listen to me, Paulina. Thank you for. Coming on the show, we will link people up. Everybody, you know where to get books, but we'll make sure you get this book.
2: (laughs) Independent sellers. That's right. Independent
0: sellers. Exactly. Mm -hmm. As well as to the podcast that you mentioned where you were talking about your eating disorders and that journey, and as well as the story, the essay you just talked about and anything else you want us to link you up to. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Gabe, it's clear we need to get Paulina back on. So we Anytime. can talk about look at all the sticky notes! Everybody gave has sticky notes on his wall. And I so appreciate sticky notes. Have a wonderful holiday. Uh, my best to you in this new year. And thank I you. now I just I'm just in love with you now. So now I'm in love with you I'm too. In love this with has you. been this
2: has been I, so this good. has honestly been the most honest I've been. So thank you for facilitating that. Well, oh. <laughs>
0: Well, welcome to the one bad mother it's all about <laughs> honesty jesus it's all about like oh yeah no ta-da ta-da that's 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 us maybe that'll be the i years. have nothing to hide anymore truly
2: yeah. it's just Fuck.
0: and if you do as a therapist told me if you do it in your 20s then there's really no midlife crisis later on thank you for doing this and we will
2: do it again please it would be an, it would be an honor a privilege and a pleasure
0: One Bed Mother is supported in part by Dipsy. It's time to seek out pleasure in every area of your life, especially the area of your life that involves self care and self pleasure. Woo! It's time to seek out pleasure in every area of your life, which includes self care and self pleasure. You deserve it. Dipsy Stories wants you to find joy and confidence in and out of the bedroom. Dipsy Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories. You just close your eyes and let yourself get lost in a world where only good things happen and pleasure is your only priority. Boom! Explore your fantasies in a safe, shame-free way. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com badmother That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to com slash badmother. com slash badmother. One Bad Mother is supported in part by HelloFresh. The holidays can be hectic because, you know, everybody's home, but HelloFresh can help make that easier. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items for you to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. I not only have thoroughly been thankful for having some HelloFresh show up cuz I always forget when I've ordered HelloFresh and then it shows up and I'm like whoa I don't have to worry about dinner. Even better, HelloFresh Market right now has this season's entertaining covered with options like their holiday cheese and charcuterie board and skinny dip dark chocolate peppermint almonds. Good god. Go to hellofresh.com/badmother14 And use code BADMOTHER14 for up to 14 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash BADMOTHER14 and use code BADMOTHER14 for up to 14 free meals and 3 free gifts.
2: Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206- 350-9485. Three five zero nine four eight five. That's 206-350-9485.
0: Genius fail time. Genius me. Me. Wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. I saw what you did. Oh my god. I'm paying attention. Wow. You mom are a genius. Oh my god that's fucking genius. Okay it's really simple. Every year we make lists of presents for the kids, and then it's like kind of a hodgepodge getting things. And then I swear it feels like on like Christmas Eve, I'm wrapping things, and I'm like, oh, my God, we only have like two things for one kid and eight things for our Right? Like, you're like, never. I'm like, ah! This year, I already started wrapping items, and when I wrapped them, I wrote down on a list what was wrapped, what was coming, so that I could tell, did we have enough? Did, was it even? Was it? Did it make sense? And I, so the genius is I did that. And I am feeling very good about sort of having the brain space to have done that this year.
3: So I'm calling in with a genius, not a parenting genius, but a holiday life genius that I knew hopefully someone out there would appreciate. So, you know, it's so expensive to buy holiday decorations, especially just in general. And so I really wanted to have these Christmas, you know, tree, the circle ones around in the front yard, but they're so expensive. So I decided to flip over my tomato cages, um, and they look cylinder, like a tree, and you use some twisty ties, and you wrap some lights around it, and voila, you have one. And it's uh, free, if <laughs> so you have the lights. So anyways, that's my genius. Hope everybody's having a happy holiday. Bye. (laughs) You are a genius.
0: I had to go back and listen to this twice because I was listening, and then somebody was yelling at me from another room, and then I heard tie green twisties and lights, and I was like, what are we tying them to? And then I went back, and I was like, tomato cages. And then time stood still, and I basked in the glory of your genius. Turning a tomato cage upside down is Such a good idea. You are doing such a great job. I love this idea so much. Failures.
1: Fail, 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 fail.
0: You suck. Fail me, me. Okay. Okay, I will. All right, guys. It's, uh, I would, during the pandemic, one of the things that I did to cope was try to find the absolute perfect pair of blue jeans and t-shirts. Okay, I don't know. Whenever like something goes on major sale, I start looking to see you know. Oh, maybe I don't know what this is. Just what I've decided. If forty-seven was going to be the thing that I was like, it was the pursuit I wanted to take. So recently, there was a store. That rhymes with K-Blue. And they were having one of those sales where it was like 50% off on top of 30%. It was like a, essentially 70 to 80% off stuff, guys. I could not pass this up. And there they were. A pair of jeans and a red and white flannel shirt, which I've been looking for. Wanted to step out of my T-shirt, sweatshirt comfort zone. And they were. it was such a deal. And I clearly... I'm still really bad at knowing what size clothes I wear. I know which ones don't fit. So so I order in the size I think I am. Of course, it's final sale. And they arrive, and I am all excited. This is what brings me joy. This is my self-love language. And they don't fit at all. The the flannel shirt, which is flattering color-wise, which, you know, it's hard to find that sometimes. It fits, but it's like the longest shirt ever made in the history of the world. And I feel like that's the universe telling me to go fuck myself because I've been so tired of sweatshirts for the last two years being like kind of right up to your waist, not long enough. So that is long enough, <laughs> but unflattering with anything. And the jeans, they were just really not a good fit. And yeah, I'm a little pouty about it. It's fine. I mean, I'll make these things work. But I'm a little pouty about it. They were not the boost emotionally, but I wanted them to be. And yes, I am fully aware that I should be getting my emotional boost from other places. But I'm not right now. So there you go. Anyway, just, you know, Stefan, when I was telling Stefan about this, Stefan was like, we might be at a place where we can start trying
3: clothes on again. It's like, what?
1: (laughs) Never! hi
3: i'm calling today with a personal fail not really a kid fail um although i'm sure i have tons of those i just i had to tell somebody that i did this um so i own a business um like a small business anyway so i was out i was meeting and i was talking to one of my clients and his wife came in and he was like oh have you met so-and-so before? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't. He was like, this is, this is my wife, Julie. And I said, hi, I'm Julie. And, oh, <laughs>
0: it's fine. It's fine.
3: <laughs> okay. So it's a good first impression. Um, All right. That's it. That's all. That's my fail. I just, I, yes. it's not really like a show worthy thing, but I needed to tell somebody that I did it. Okay. Bye.
0: Oh, humiliating yourself in front of uh, a client uh, is totally show worthy because our brains don't work well anymore. And that makes me feel better about a lot of the things that I do that, that are failures on a daily basis. I really like the like, hi, I'm Julie. What? <laughs> that's, that's what I named this call, by the way. And now I just want, you know, t-shirts that say, hi, I'm Julie just because that's where we all we're all julie do you understand we are all julie and i am sure that they did not mind and that they didn't talk about it for several hours on the way home and it won't come up as like oh do you remember that time that she introduced herself as me that was weird
2: you are the greatest mom i've ever known i love you i love when i have a problem i call you on the phone i love you i love you this week
0: on maximum funds pro wrestling podcast tights and fights austin creed best known as wwe's xavier woods tells us why his fans find him so easy to love
1: so i, I think it's less
2: me being good at it and more people wanting to be a part of something. And it's very easy to be a part of these things because I sc- constantly am screaming about what I'm interested in.
0: Austin Creed on the perfect wrestling podcast, Tights and Fights. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Judge John Hodgman. And I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Ten years ago, I came on Jordan, Jesse Go and judged my first dispute. Is chili a soup? It's a stew, obviously. The judge has dispensed a decade of justice.
1: He's the one person wise enough to answer the really important questions.
2: Like, should you hire a mime to perform at your own funeral? After they cry, I want them to laugh. Do you really need a tank full of jellyfish in your den? They smell like living creatures decaying. (laughs) Only if they are decaying. Yeah, which they will be. Real people, real justice, real comedy. Winner of
0: the Webby Award for Best Comedy Podcast.
2: The Judge John Hodgman Podcast every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org.
0: Okay, the fire's going. The stockings are hung. Somebody's complaining and very upset somewhere, probably nearby, or just disappointed. Which means it's time for a mom to have a breakdown.
3: Hi, um, this is a rant or a breakdown. Um, I tested positive for COVID yesterday. I'm fully vaccinated. I don't go anywhere other than, um, you know, outdoor events or work. We, my family and I, we wear masks all the time. Um, I still tested positive, which, you know, I know, I get it. Like, it happens. But nobody else in my family tested positive, so to keep them safe, I have to stay away from them. And that sucks. Um, You know, it's coming up on Halloween, and they're all downstairs, you know, doing Halloween things, painting pumpkins, you know, watching movies, and... I can only participate through pictures or FaceTime, which I can't even get through FaceTime because I cry. It's just, you know, and honestly, like, I I know that it's fine because my symptoms are mild because I'm vaccinated. And the only reason that I went to get tested is just to be safe because I genuinely thought that I had a cold, but I thought I should be responsible. And it turns out it wasn't a cold. And I just... You know, like, I just think of all the people who are not doing the right thing out there. And if I had been more of a jerk and just not gotten tested, then I could still participate. And I'm not saying that that's the right thing. Obviously, that was the wrong thing. And obviously, I did the right thing. But it sucks that I can't even be with my family right now. And I'm stuck in my bedroom for the next 10 days. And I just want to see my family. So I just am mad at everybody right now. Thanks for the show. You're doing a great job.
0: First of all, you're doing a really good job. I a couple of things. Just as as we're all listening, I, I again, this is a Halloween call, but this is happening to people right now. That happened during Thanksgiving. This is the situation for people during their holiday celebrations or really lots of different important events. And you are doing such a good job. And I, I really, really hope you understand that your decision to get tested while it resulted in a bunch of you know things that you didn't like, it really was the smart thing to do. So I, I just want to start with saying thank you for getting tested and thank you for taking the steps that you need to take. And now that we have said all of those things, let's get into this. Of course you're pissed. Of course you wish you hadn't taken that test. Of course you do. Of course that's totally natural and normal. Halloween is one of our favorite times. I, I can imagine on some level what it must be like to be missing out. You almost kind of wish that it was, it was really knocking you out in bed, not like severe enough to have to go to the hospital, but enough to make it so that you just couldn't even process that it was Halloween, right? Like just enough so that you at least could just not be like, I feel good enough to be doing something with my, that's the other thing that gets you with the stupid COVID is if you have it and it's mild, and as my sister says, mild means you're not in the hospital. <laughs> Which I think is very accurate when it comes to COVID. It's mild. There are lots of moments where you're like, well, can I come out? Maybe everybody's already infected. Maybe I'm not infectious anymore. Maybe I could just do one hug or what right? Like uh, that is how our brains work. And it's such a okay. You have a cold, you freak out, it's COVID, I've killed everybody. You have a cold and you go get tested, and it turns out that it is COVID. You then are like, damn it, I wish I could have pretended like I didn't have it, and I now I can't see anybody or like your brain is always against you when you have COVID. And I just it does feel unfair. It is actually unfair. It is a sad. And hard place to have to sit on top of being sick, which is also no fun. Mild cases of COVID still suck, guys. COVID is like nasty. And it does not make you feel good. Oh, and then there's the whole, I'm vaccinated and I wear masks every day, right? Like, I, it's still out there. There's still always a risk. The vaccines are allowing us to have milder cases if we contract it. And I just, it sucks doing the right thing sometimes. And I'm, I'm just, I see you, that sucks, and you're doing an amazing job taking care of you and your family, actually. So you're doing a really good job. I don't know about you guys, but this week's episode was a little Christmas gift to myself. I really enjoyed talking with Paulina and, you know, I am so off of media and like, I'm like, what happened with Dr. Drew? (laughs) I'm so sorry if I stepped in it, but Paulina is authentic and a delight and I fucking love her. And... I will say again that this book, it it, it doesn't have to be awkward, uh, but it still is. And I highly recommend getting a copy of it. It doesn't have to be awkward so that you can start thinking about some of these things that you may want to have conversations with your kids or loved ones or, ugh, God, I hate it, even myself. Oh, I had to grow a little during this one, guys. This episode is coming out before Christmas. If you are a celebrator of Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. And if you are not a celebrator of Christmas, I hope people make mistakes and still give you presents. (laughs) Holidays are all about awkwardness. It's all about being around people that we haven't seen in a while, especially after this year. And I know that for many of us, Uh, Holiday plans may be getting altered or canceled because of the surge in the Omicron variant. I cannot believe these are words that are coming out of my mouth, everybody. Am am I living in a sci-fi book? Yes, I am. I just want everyone to know that no matter where you find yourself this week, that you are amazing, you are remarkable you are smart, you are pretty, <laughs> and any feelings you're having around this time of year are valid. And I just want to let you know that next week, to ring in the new year, Teresa is going to join me for a genius fail spectacular. Talk about a gift! I'm so excited. You are all doing an amazing job and I will talk to you next week. Bye.
1: I got to low down mama blues. I got to, load down blues. Got to load down blues. low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blue. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blue. Low down mama blue. You know that right?